0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today's sermon is Bless This Home Part 3 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. How dare you talk to me that way! You're so ungrateful and selfish! (laughs) It's not what you said, it's the way you said it. You never listen to me. That's because you never shut up. Can't you keep that baby quiet? (laughs) You can't tell me who I can and cannot date. Stay out of my life. I can understand why you are upset. God has always helped us. I know we can work this out. Mom, if you're here, I want you to stand up because I want to look at you all over the house. Mom, any kind of mom that you are, stand up right now. Any kind of mom. Hang on just a minute. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. Stand up right now. I want to look at you. Look at here. We're surrounded by this great company, this great, great company of great women. If you're standing beside one or you're standing beside one, reach over and say, Happy Mother's Day, and let's all clap for them while we're doing that right now, would you? Let's give our moms a great, great, great hand. Wow. This is so neat. This is so neat. So good. So good. And you may be seated. You're the most awesome, awesome thing. You gave life. You gave life. And uh, it is a blessing. I I used to tell my mom, I thought the police brought me to the hospital. (laughs) Boy, that would fire her up. That would fire her up. She said, son, listen to me. Look at me. You, you, you put me under labor for a long time. You better be a good kid because I labored for you, son. No, Mom, I think the police brought me, put me there. And then she'd say, look at that nose of yours. That's my nose. Look at those eyes. Those are my eyes. It was always good to hear somebody say I look like my daddy. But I really did look like Mama. And so I honor her today. I miss her. She, she left us April 27th last year, and I miss her. She's an awesome lady, and I love my mother-in-law. She's an incredible lady. I tried to call her, and uh, she's out gallivanting. She's always running, doing something. She don't have time to answer her phone. And if she does, it's in the bottom of her purse. And the time she gets to it, it's already gone to voicemail. So that's that's what I've got to look forward to, married to her daughter. Amen. All right. Would you stand to your feet? I honor my wife today. I love my wife. Let's give my wife a great hand. I love my wife. She's a sweet lady. Amen, amen, amen. I'm highly honored. I'm highly honored to pastor some of the neatest, neatest ladies in all of Austin, Texas, right here at Christian Life Church. And I mean that. We got some cool mamas in this church. We got some cool mamas. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. They're just neat. They know how to get up and put their shoes on. They know how to comb their hair. That's a good thing. And they're neat people, they really are And we are blessed CLC is a blessed, blessed church To have such great, great women and mothers I'm going to talk to you today about Bless this home Everybody say, bless this home Say, Pastor Preach the word to us today Let it touch my heart Let it change my heart Preach the word to us today Let it touch my mind Let it change my mind Pastor, preach the word today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Kurt. Today we're in the third week of a four-week series called Bless This Home. And if you're just now joining us, we're looking at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in a section that's known as the Beatitudes or the Blessed Jesus gave us eight different directions for those who would be blessed. Now, Jesus was talking to everybody, but what we're doing for the purpose of our study is that we're applying the Beatitudes or the blessedness to our homes. Bless this home. Say it. Bless this home. So many homes today are not blessed, and I believe as God would want them to be. The first week we looked at the beatitude, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Last week we talked about blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. And next week or the last week will be my personal favorite of the four mess of the family. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. But today I want to talk about peace in the home. So many of our homes are not characterized as homes of peace. Instead if you look at our homes you would have to say they're characterized by conflict many times. By tension like the film said or by strife. If Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. I believe he has something better for us. He wants our homes to be homes of peace. In the Lord's Prayer, we hear, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hear me, there is peace in heaven. We need peace on earth, amen? Amen. Because that's what God wants us to have. Some may say, okay, you're talking to me. My home's got a lot of dysfunction in it. But most of it is not my fault, (laughs) all right? And the reality of that is that may be true because every home has an incredibly difficult family member. You know what I'm talking about. Every family, if you look somewhere, maybe not in your home, but an extended family member, everyone has a psycho. (laughs) Everyone has a difficult person to deal with. It's a spiritual problem, okay? Let me just prove it. Every family has a psycho. Those of you who would say, somewhere in my family there is a psycho, a difficult person. Don't be, don't be afraid. Raise your hand right now. Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right, keep your hand up. Leave them up. Don't, don't take them down. Almost, almost every hand is raised. Remember, every family has a psycho. If your hand's not up in the air, I'll move on. Relationships are just difficult and they're challenging. And it's amazing, especially in our families, how easily it is to slip into dysfunctional cycles in our relationship. For example, my two youngest daughters, Cass and Kate, they're 30 and 27 now. One's the mother of two. The other is expecting her first in November. And I can remember when they were just little girls and they wrestled and they tickled one another a lot. And they got tickled doing it. They would administer headlocks. And try to headlock and tickle at the same time. They would throw, have throwdowns, sometimes a little hair pulling, although that was off limits to the ref, and I am the ref. <laughs> sometimes they might get hurt in the throwdown, and they would squeal, and then they would scream, and Patty and I would always, with a slightly louder voice, I might add for my wife's sake, someone's gonna get hurt. Then I would say, I'm gonna step in and blister both of you. That was the word blister, not whip, blister. And evidently, inevitably, one would get hurt and start to well up and say, you hurt me. And the other would say, well, you hurt me too. And I would say, girls, I'm coming after you. And then they would smile because they knew I wasn't. And they would laugh and say, let's do it again. And they would do it one more time. And I know I'm kind of joking about it today, but wouldn't you admit that so often in our dysfunctional and unhealthy family dynamics, sometimes it boils down to, you hurt me. No, you hurt me. Well, let's do it again. Because that's what we do in our family. And again and again, and we end up challenging relationships instead of those that are characterized by peace. Now, I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe, maybe you're trying to raise your kids and your mom keep looking over your shoulder and giving you advice. And you're like, stay out of this, mom. Let me be a dad. Let me be a mom. And there's tension between you and your mom. Or maybe it's your own kids. They fight all the time. And you find yourself saying things you thought you'd never say. Don't make me pull this car over. I'm going to count to three, and nothing happens. I'm going to count to five, and nothing happens. I'm going to count to 40, (laughs) and nothing happens. So you go home and take a bath and give up, and your kids are still fighting. Maybe you're the kid, you're the teenager, and you think my parents will never trust me. They're always breathing down my neck. They're so controlling. Maybe you might be a blended home today, and you're trying to raise your kids and her kids and our kids, and there's an ex involved. And it's so incredibly complicated and you wonder how could there ever be peace with all these moving parts. And some of you, you might be at a place where you to this day have not forgiven your mom and dad for something that happened years and years ago. And today we're going to look at one of the Beatitudes of Jesus. And I have tremendous expectation that God is going to do a lot of healing of hearts today. Because there's something about when Jesus gets involved in your life in the middle of church. That things can have a healing touch right now. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Say it with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now when Jesus said peacemakers, there's two words from the original biblical language that translated as peace. In the New Testament, the Greek word is "irene," E-I-R-E-N-E. In the New Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. So you've got the Greek word Irene and the Hebrew word shalom. And for years, the word shalom has been used and has been known as a well-greeting word. The original words for peace mean a little more than what you think in our English language. Shalom means more than just the absence of bad. I wish that you don't have hard times. It also means I wish you the highest good. So it's not just saying I hope things are not bad in your life. It's saying, I hope things are great in your life. And when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he doesn't mean, I hope your home is void of strife. But I also want you to have the highest good in your home. And so it was kind of weird because he called them children of God. And everybody listening to him that day, the Sermon on the Mount, must have been shocked because there was this very countercultural statement that he was making because everyone in that group had been raised. It's an eye for an eye. And it's a tooth for a tooth. You hit me and I'll hit you back. You steal something from me and I'll steal something from you back. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a higher calling than just you hit back and you, you steal back. There's a higher calling for those that I want you to follow when you follow me. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Notice he didn't say blessed are the peace keepers. He said blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say keepers. And there's a big difference. And for years and years, I was kind of a peacekeeper in some of the churches that I pastored. I wanted to avoid confrontation at all costs because conflict sometimes would not bring peace. Peacekeepers will work around the issue, not through the issue to try to keep peace. And so we kind of get to this place where we're like, oh, let's just make a truce. Let's not talk about it. Let's get together at family dinners and we'll smile and act like nothing's wrong. Although we really know there's tension behind the scene. But we're going to show it because we're happy at this meal. No fighting, okay? And then what happens? Months go by and something sets you off or somebody else. And then there is this raw, 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 I'm sick and tired of you. I want you out of my life. You did this and you did this and you did this. And we're saying, well, where did this all come from? It's because people are trying to be peacekeepers not peacemakers oh it's going to get quiet before it gets better what happened is there's a dozen of unresolved issues along the way and jesus didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers he said blessed are the peacemakers so what will a peacemaker do a peacemaker will embrace conflict he will keep the peace we're not going to work around the issues we're going to work on the issues and we'll work through the issues That's what a peacemaker does. And with the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, we believe that there can be peace in our home. Say amen to that. Which brings me to our key thought of the series. Everybody say, we're not just Christian people. Say it. We're not preaching about Christian people. We're preaching about a Christ-centered home. 80% of America calls themselves Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. I mean, I'm not anything else, so I must be a Christian. We're talking about not Christian homes. We're talking about Christ-centered homes. Jesus isn't a part of your life. He is our life. He's not a part of our home. He is our home. Amen. And when we walk in, home ought to be a little bit of heaven. Come on, somebody help me preach right now. It shouldn't be a place where things are thrown at one another and bad words are said. It shouldn't be a place where kids go out of the house screaming. It ought to be a place of peace where the Prince of Peace dwells and rules and reigns in our life. You know, in a cultural Christian home, a home that's Christian in name only, when there's a hard time, we just write somebody off. Well, forget them. Just stick it in your ear, buddy. My grandmother used to say, just have holes in your nose. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Then she'd follow up and say, I hope you have the hairiest legs on the earth. (laughs) Thank you, Grandma. Holes in my nose and the hairiest legs on the earth. (laughs) Forgive them. In In this mindset, After what they did, I'll never forgive them. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll wait till they come crawling back to me. And when they come crawling back to me and ask for repentance, I'll make them pay some penance. And that's normal. But in a Christ-centered home, peacemakers exist. Amen. Paul said something very complimentary in Romans chapter 12. He said, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And here's the power statement. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, say me, live a life at peace with everyone. I want you to turn to three or four people and say, peace out, brother. Come on, peace out, sister. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. We ought to be able to cool our jets a little bit. Come on. Peace out. No more road rage. Peace out. No more house rage. Peace out. No more bathroom rage. Peace out. Come on. Come on. No more table rage. Let's have peace in the house. That ain't in my notes. I just made that up. For those sitting back going, I hope oh so and so is listening because bless God, they need to hear that. No, 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 no. God's speaking to you. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Everybody say, peace depends on me. Woo! Peace is riding on me. Peace is looking for me to have peace in my life. Come on. Peace out, brother. Come on, tell them peace out. So, blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Say it with me now. Evil, Evil. you're not going to triumph in our home. Good is going to triumph in our home. (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers. So, what is a Christ-centered home? What is a Christ-centered home? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Let me give you three things, and I'll let you go today. The first thing peacemakers do, they they tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. The Bible didn't say, yell the truth in love. (laughs) You! (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) I'm just speaking love. (laughs) Tell! The truth in love. I I hate these two words in families. Always and never. I hate those words. You always leave your clothes laying out. You never clean up after yourself. I hate those two words. I wish somebody would say, sometimes you do good. But today you didn't. Peace out. Why does it always and never because that's what we do when we yell the truth in love. Because it probably is always and never. I learned something way back in college that I'm going to share with you today. And, and I'm not smart. But, but when I, I learned when when you, when you counsel people, there's two things that are very important. And, and, and how do you tell the truth in love? A couple of things that are really, really important would be to, number one, tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. <laughs> you know, when everything's good. When your husband just had a good meal and... And when, when the kids are just gone to bed and y'all sitting there holding hands watching a movie and you're, you're getting frisky. That's a good time to have some talk, to tell the truth. Surely that's not a conflict time. Okay, that's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone's throwing a shoe at you, it's not time to bring up a truth. You always throw shoes at me. Right-handed, I might add. Why don't you throw it left so it won't hurt so bad? The second thing is, oh, I'm rolling this morning. The second thing is, remember, we attack the issue and not the person. That's two things I've learned. You tell the truth in love during non-conflict times when everything's at peace. When you've checked your blood pressure and you're 120 over 75, you're good. And you say... Babe, I think we need to talk. And you remember, you always attacked the issue. Never the person. Say amen to that. Amen. Non-conflict times and then confront the issue, not the person. Here's an example. I'm going to talk about me now. I'm going I'm to tell something on me. And you all will say, bless the preacher today. <laughs> Patty's the most soft-spoken, loving woman I know. She really is. She's an epitome of a wife, a mother. I give a shout out to my sweetheart today. I told her last night, I read this to her last night. I said, I'm going I'm to talk about you today. Patty has the best bottom line mind of anyone I know, even in her family, her friends, her daughters, and even me. She can literally get to the bottom of her brother's situations in their church in humble. She's unbelievable. She could replace Dr. Laura on the radio. Because <laughs> sometimes when Dr. Laura is on the radio and we're out driving down the road, that's our favorite woman to listen to. We don't listen to me, we listen to Dr. Laura. My wife can give the answer she's going to give before she gives it. I said, my God, why don't you hope she dies soon and you take her job? (laughs) And then I could play golf all the time and retire and be pastor emeritus or whatever. Just teasing. I used to have a big problem. I, I say that. I used to have a big problem. I don't have it anymore. When we would meet new people, perhaps have a meal with them, I have a nerve that won't stop being nervous. And here she is, peaceful Patty, easy going, and I'm a worm in hot ashes meeting new people. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm very friendly, you know that. But I can't tell you the time she's placed her hand under the table to steal my jumping leg. <laughs> calm down, calm down. She don't say it, she, just, she don't embarrass me. And yet, she never out of me saying, stop the leg shaking. <laughs> You're driving me absolutely crazy. Do you know that I'm about to lose my mind over your jumpy leg? She never did that. She just kind of put her hand there, and in the next five seconds, she'd take her hand off. she had to put it back in there because I'm jumping. But that's the least of my problems. That's the prelude. I do not want to, but I have an overactive brain in those moments. I really do. I, I don't mean to, but sometimes I can control the conversations. I've got an issue. I had a problem. And I get nervous that people we're speaking to can't carry the conversation and they're waiting for me to carry the conversation and I get this sweat because I can't stand pregnant pauses. If you've got that problem, Patty needs to talk to you. Yet Patty never said to me, would you shut your fat face right now? She never did that. Never has. But one day in a non-conflict time, she asked to speak to me and I thought, oh God, this is going to be either good or good so sweetly she said baby when we go out with people you don't let them speak you rule the conversation and I I interrupted her she said hold it I'm talking you're listening (laughs) she said that's what you do all the time you interrupt I really got quiet but I was forming a defense as she spoke (laughs) she said are you listening (laughs) and I said what And she she said something like, and and I want to be specific because I want to be really effective to you today. Rex, she said, that's what she calls me in my tender moments. You're an amazing husband. I like that part. And you do a lot of things really well. I love that part. And I appreciate when you do this and this. And she listed a few things. She said, there's one thing that you do, you probably don't realize you're doing because if you did, you wouldn't do it because you're too good of a man to do it. She said, when you take people out, you often speak over them and you'll interrupt me. And she kept going for a while. Men, I'm going to tell you something. Every one of y'all got problems too. (laughs) She kept going for a while. And I interrupted her again. She said, see, just like there. And here's the thing. It, It was very effective communication to me because she affirmed me. She didn't attack me. She gave me the benefit of the doubt. She explained very clearly how it made her feel. She said, baby, you're better than that. You're a kind, gentle soul. Love everybody. That's not what you want people to see in you. And I jumped up and said, I've been healed. <laughs> I declare. We had a laugh right then. I said, I've been healed by the power of Jesus Christ. I'll never. And, folks, I don't do it anymore. And sometimes there's some pregnant pauses, and I'm shaking that leg. And she quiets it down. Just a minute. And people will start talking. I, whew, hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> It's so much more affected than in the middle of the fight her bringing up. And another thing, I hate you when you, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. And the other thing is, she didn't just keep the peace and pretend like it wasn't an issue. Now that I have the mic, let me talk to you. Sometimes when you, you lie to your spouse about something that's really insignificant they're going to find it tough to trust you when the, good, when the bad times come and you tell them something real significant. Or when you're confronting an issue, when you continue to check your phone at a dinner table and you're there to talk about issues in the family, you make the family feel very devalued. Can I get a witness right now? Let me pause just a moment there because I feel a God moment as he wants to speak to many of you right now. In the name of the almighty God of heaven, when you go out to a restaurant, man, put your back to the door. Let her see who's coming in. Shut your cell phone off and tune in to mama and let her talk to you. That's just the word for the day. All right. Turn somebody say he's doing good today. Happy Mother's Day. I'm showing I'm not a chauvinist so we, we confront the issue not the person, we do it in non-conflict times and we tell the truth in love, the second thing peacemakers do, they apologize when they're wrong Woo! how many men's ever been wrong in this house besides me thank you if your husband raised your hand give him an extra piece of pie today alright Many men feel like they're never wrong. James 5 and 16 said, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may, might be healed. I want to think for a moment about this. What do you think your relationship would be like when you sinned if you confessed it and said, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. What I did was wrong. I sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine how incredibly different a relationship would be if we owned our sins, if we confessed our sins, and then prayed together over our sins? Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. Now, how do we do it? We admit to specific actions without excuses. You don't say, well, I, I'm sorry, I looked at something that was inappropriate. But if you had been meeting my needs, it wouldn't have ever happened. I wouldn't have been driven to that. No, 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 no. Don't place it on somebody else. Take responsibility. Take culpability of the situation and say, you know what? I just messed up. Would you forgive me? Would you, say, would you forgive me? I am so sorry. I promise you, peace will remain in the home. Amen? It's not an apology. It's not an apology saying that. That's pathetic to say, well, if you'd have, if you'd have been there for me. I wouldn't, I'm just a man, you know. No, 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 no. Well, you know, a woman's, woman's got to have clothes, a woman's got to go out and shop. And I'm sorry, I broke the bank today. I don't feel bad because you hadn't bought me nothing in a long time, so I went and bought it myself. <laughs> we apologize for specifics. I'm sorry that I belittled you in front of your friends. I have no excuse for that. That was wrong. I'm really sorry I didn't consider you. I should have called you when I was late. I can see why you're so worried. I'm so sorry I raised my voice at you like that. It was disrespectful. Please forgive me. That goes to both sides of the party. I'm sorry that I dropped the cat off the roof to see if he had landed on four legs. I'm just playing now. <laughs> but it would be fun to see if a cat could land on his four legs. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Say remorse. remorse. Say Repentance. So often people stop with remorse. It's kind of like, well, I'm sorry I got caught. (laughs) I'm sorry we're having this hard time. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. I'm sorry we're going through this. That's remorse. Repentance says, I was wrong. Remorse said, I'm sorry you caught me. Repentance said, I sinned. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And when you sin, don't stop with I'm sorry. You might want to jot this down. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. I left the toilet lid up. That's a mistake. Will you forgive me of deceiving you? That's a sin. Don't stop it. I'm sorry. But when you actually have sinned against someone, say, will you please forgive me? That's what peacemakers do. They always seek to apologize for the wrong they do in their life. Amen? As a pastor of this congregation... I have had to apologize to saints. I've had to apologize to my wife. I've had to apologize to my daughters because your pastor is not a perfect man. I'm an imperfect man. I'm trying my best to become more like Christ, but that journey is tough when you've got this thing to work with called flesh. But I think with all my heart that Jesus said, you can do this. You can be a peacemaker. Come on, put your hand up to me and say, peace, pastor. You can be a peacemaker in your life. It does not depend on your family. It does not depend on your wife. It does not depend on your husband. It does not depend on your children. It depends on me. Do I want to be a peacemaker in my life? Say amen to that. And I close with this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you real plain now. Peacemakers forgive and let go. Not only do they apologize, but they forgive and let go. There's some people that can forgive, they can't let go. I can't tell you the number of people that I counsel with my premarital counseling for these kids that are going to get married. I can't tell you how many people say, Pastor, I can forgive, but I have a hard time forgetting. It doesn't matter if you don't forget it. The Bible said when Joseph had his firstborn son named Manasseh, his name means he's called me to forget the pain of my past. Not my past, but the pain of my past. That past is always going to be there. It's always going to be there. But God can take the pain out of it when you sign on to be a peacemaker in the kingdom of God. Say amen to that. And peacemakers forgive. One of the hardest things to do is forgive. Harder than that is to let go. you got to let go. And let me just walk into this gently for a moment. Because at this point, I know for a lot of you, there's a tremendous amount of pain perhaps you're feeling. And it's on Mother's Day. And some of you right now may be thinking, well, you know. You've got your little preacher life and your little preacher problems, but in the real world, you don't know what I've been through, really. I probably don't. And I just want to say, I may not have been through what you've been through, but I do understand that betrayal is very difficult to forgive, and I understand. Some of you, your spouse has betrayed you. They committed adultery, maybe multiple times. And you think, how can I forgive them? I know that some of you, you've got someone you trusted with everything in you and they lied and they deceived you and left you in a really, really hard place and that's very difficult to forgive. It is. I know that there are some of you, many of you who have someone in your family who should have protected you and that person who should have protected you took advantage of you and abused you. And that's happened to me. And you say, how in the world can I forgive them? I don't even want to forgive them. I don't ever want to see them. I never want to hear their name. How do I forgive? I'm not going to tell you it's easy, but I will tell you it's doable. Because when the love of Jesus Christ gets in you, you can forgive. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The greatest words from the cross were words of forgiveness he forgave us and i know somebody said well i'm not ready to die on that cross he's not asked you to die he's asked you to die after that situation not die physically but you've got to die out some situations <laughs> hear me it's not worth holding on to it's not worth holding on to let it go And let God do something great in your life. In 2014, he wants you to be a peacemaker in your home. Amen. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, To bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone. I love the fact that this has been a peaceful church and I'm closing. I need somebody to help me. I love the fact that I have pastored a kingdom and a church of peace for 24 years. We've had family issues, but we haven't had church grievances, and I thank God for that. We forgive, Paul said, as the Lord forgave us. We forgive. To whom much is given, much is required. That's what Christ-centered homes do. They just forgive. Pastor, I don't think my, my daughter, I don't think my husband, I don't think my wife, I don't think, I don't think people in our family is going to ever get it. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Love may be slow, but it always wins. Everybody say, love wins. Force doesn't win. Ignoring people doesn't win. Hating people doesn't win. Love wins. That's what Christ-centered homes do. I want you to listen carefully. Listen very, very carefully. If you don't remember anything else that I said today, I want you to remember these four words. You ready? Family is worth it. Say it. Family is worth it mom if you don't get a call from that son that daughter today if you don't get a call from that person that perhaps was special in your life and y'all walked separate directions if you don't get cards from your kids today you gotta forgive you gotta say it's okay you can't drop your head and hang your head and say it's, it's not worth living let me tell you something you found what's worth living for Jesus Christ the presence of God in your life but there's something about this thing that people have when someone strikes us on one cheek Jesus said turn the other When someone asks for a shirt he said give him your coat but what we don't do is when our marriage gets tough just walk out and say forget it I'll take my stuff. In my my counseling to young couples, I I teach them how to fight fair. Because every family is going to have quarrels or going to have fights. And I teach them how to fight fair. And one of of the things is that the fight has to be inclusive. It can't be exclusive. It can't be with doors in it. You've got to shut all the doors and lock all the windows. And you've you've got to say, this is our home. And we're going to work things out here. And many of you have gone through a marriage or two. And perhaps some of our own on their fourth or fifth marriage. And you know what? Jesus loves you. He really does. But sometimes you've got to get peace in your own heart. And you've got to learn how to apologize and say I'm sorry. And you got to learn how to forgive on the other end. Because if you seek forgiveness, you've got to learn how to give forgiveness. Everybody say family is worth it. They say family is worth it. I got four kids, one of them's with the Lord. He looked more like me than any of my three daughters. They all look a little bit like me. Those who are lucky look more like Patty and Denise than me, but they all look a little bit like me. And every now and then I try to find features on my beautiful daughters and just say, well, that's me right there, I try to find features. Ha, that's me. Ha, I do that. When we make peace and when we do everything possible to live at peace with everyone and when we even take it and let someone hurt us and freely forgive, guess what we look like? We look like our Heavenly Father. And the Lord is saying, wow, that looks like me. That's what I did, boys. That's what I did, girls. I forgave. I forgave. I forgave. I closed today. I had a I had a precious brother that just never got it. He never got it. God, how much I loved him! I used to call him and talk to him for hours about his soul. I loved my brother, but he had this he had this resistance in him. He had this he had built up this huge resistance that. God was like home and our home perhaps for him was not that good and so he couldn't he couldn't put his heart in in the hands of Almighty God he did his thing many times over and his sweet little wife and his family always forgave him and they loved him and I always forgave him and I loved him But he never got it. He never got it. He just never got a hold of it. And that may be your position today. You may have somebody in your family that's just never going to get your love. And never going to reach out back to you as you reach out to them. But don't stop. When my brother left this world at 45. I wept at his funeral when I, I eulogized him. And I did the most best job I could do. Because I always loved him and I always forgave him and I always let him walk back into our world when he had no business being around our families. But love does that. Blessed are the peacekeepers. No, blessed are the peacemakers. Family, everybody say family, is worth it. And I'm glad I can stand here today and say on the other side of this, some 22 years later, really. Lord, it don't seem that long. I can say the family that he, he lived with and the family that loved him, my mom and dad and his brother, we loved him all the way. And we forgave him all the way. We gave him the best chance that he could ever have. Here's what I tell you. Don't wait on somebody else. Have peace in your home. Have peace in your heart. Well, if they would, no. No, don't do that. Have peace in your heart. It's about you. Stand to your feet today. You're awesome. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.